Good morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. Hi, Stacey. I hear you're going to Australia. I am. I'm heading out this afternoon. I'm going down under uh, my first trip to Australia, so I'm looking forward to it, uh, to speak at the HR Tech Fest um, in Sydney. Um, the one thing that, the thing I love about sort of every t- conversation I have with someone about Australia is they're like, so how close will that be to Brisbane or how close will that be to Melbourne? And, and Australia, I think, is even more so than the U.S., where everything is like 8 to 11 hours away from each other. So I've, I've learned this now, which is it was similar when people, you know, come to the United States, they're like, well, how close are you to New York? I'm like, it's really not down the street for us. Everything's far away, right? So <laughs> it's been fun uh, getting to talk to people who are uh, – in the area and doing um, HR technology there. So I'll be doing two sessions. So. so so what kind of uniquely Australian things are you going to do while you're there? Oh, oh now you've asked me about the touristy things. So I have been told that there is a particular harbor and beach where there are, like, pine trees that I'm supposed to go visit. Um, I have been given uh, strict instructions to try and uh, get an opportunity to see and maybe even cuddle with some uh, koala bears um, and um, I have been told that while I'm there I should stay away from any place that would have spiders or crawly things because they're much bigger in Australia than I am used to so <laughs> those are the big those are the big things people have told me about Australia that I should be doing while I'm there <laughs> okay so, well we'll stay away from the spiders and cuddle the koalas okay. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. It'll it'll be a good session. I'm also going to be speaking at the um, a PASW, the the um, People Analytics Group that Al Adams runs. But I guess they're doing a session down there as well. So I'll I'll be spending some time with that too. So it'll be a busy. Oh, and how about you? Oh, there's Are you an Al Adams oh. show in Australia. I didn't know that. Uh, huh. That week there is because I think he's speaking there as well. So they're they're putting on a uh, a mini session for that that week. So yeah. Oh, what an interesting thing! Wow. So so I'm getting ready for a blitzy a blitzy week with um, Ultimate Software and iSims next week. I'm going to be at, at iSims. I'm going to be doing a panel conversation about what do you need to know about AI and HR with um, Tarkin Clark from. Uh, Google and um, Amy Loomis from IDC. It'll be it'll be an interesting thing. Um, yeah, definitely. And and I, and I always love going to Florida to be with the people at Ultimate Software. Um, so, what's in the mailbag? Well, it's a bit of a busy week. Uh, last week I was, or no, last week, boy, the time is flying. Actually, just Monday and Tuesday of this week, I was in Las Vegas um, with Kronos at the Kronos Works event. So we, we definitely want to talk a little bit about that. They had over 3,000 customers at their event and some, some big announcements. Um, we also saw that uh, Ceridian launched a secondary public offering. So we might want to talk a little bit about that, what that means. ADP announced a $5 billion buyback. I'm not exactly sure how to take that as well. You're, you, you follow the stock market a little bit better than I do. So those are probably some interesting stock conversations to have about the businesses that we follow and how that impacts the buyers. Um, we also saw that PeopleStrong, this is one of the, the larger or, or sort of more um, well-known um, organizations in the um, Asia-Pacific, particularly India market, 
they appointed a new uh, CEO from um, Aon Hewitt, Sandeep Chowdhury. Um, and so probably talk a little bit about that as they're starting to really push out and try and grow. Um, and then if we get time today, I think there's definitely some conversations to be had about the higher view um, uh, lawsuit that's going on, basically. We, we, uh, a prominent rights group is urging the Federal Trade Commission to take on uh, the recruiting technology company, HireVue, for their facial recognition technology. We, we I talked a little bit about it last week, but it, but it came out in the news right after we had had the um, conversation. And so I think this is well worth um, maybe discussing what you think about this. Do you think this is going to go anywhere? Um, and then we also saw last week, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but Microsoft um, launched a new knowledge management solution that we probably should be paying attention to on the HR front. Um, Amazon launched an AWS data exchange for tracking and sharing data sets. So again, all those systems going outside of the HR space, playing in the HR world a little bit. And then Google launches their AI-driven management platform to tame network complexity. So lots of um, enterprise applications that are non-HR sort of playing in areas that would be considered HR. I thought that's probably an interesting conversation to have today, John. So where do you want to start? Oh, well, let's let's hear about Kronos. You, you know, it's such an amazing, big, successful company, and you went to their thing this week. Um, so, so what is Kronos up to? So, um, for those who don't know, Kronos, um, Kronos is probably I, I'd have, they are the market leader, right? They really are um, workforce management application software in the market. They have probably the, the largest number of companies and the largest number of employees overall on their application for scheduling, time and attendance, leave and absence, tracking, those kind of things. But they're also um, pushing heavily into the space of core HRMS. And so uh, we saw, we heard a lot of updates this week about their workforce ready product, which is their sort of uh, SMB and below, sort of a thousand employees and below product in the core HRMS space, as well as their workforce dimensions product, which is their new cloud application, um, which includes a core HRMS and an updated cloud version of uh, time and attendance and scheduling. We also spent a, quite a bit of time talking about their new time clocks. Now, I know, John, me and you had the conversation a few weeks ago, and we were like, you thought time clocks were dead. Well, I will have to say that Kronos is, is not taking that statement laying down. They have invested heavily in what they're calling their InTouch DX time clocks. Um, they've put all the same capabilities you'd get almost in a computer environment from Workforce Dimensions inside this time clock platform. It's rugged. They've done an ergonomic study to figure out sort of how you want to move and change the, the uh, time clock locations. Um, they've made it more user-friendly. Big investment in the hardware side. Um, I think more than most people are, 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 are seeing elsewhere in the market these days. Um, so, yes, yeah, so they've spent, you know, a lot of time this last year really, I think, re-energizing their organization from what some would have considered a more conservative older technology environment to focusing on how they're going to become a new cloud company. So it was quite interesting. So, so how big do you think the actual market is for time clocks? I would have guessed that it is shrinking um, like water going down a drain. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and so they're investing in it. So they clearly don't think that it's shrinking like water going down a drain. No, they oh. mentioned they have one million one million time clocks around the world in companies, right? Um, and and I talked to Time Clock Plus, uh, which is another sort of workforce management organization with sixty thousand organizations that they service. 
a lot in the K through 12 industry, but a lot of other industries they serve, um, and they're investing heavily in their time clock applications. Um, I'm I'm not seeing these organizations back away from their time clock investments. I do see them. We also saw Paychex came out with a new time clock application not too long ago, right? Um, and uh, product. Now, what they argue is they're moving them much more to sort of tablet format, mobile format, biometric analysis. The thing that Kronos was really excited about was that theirs will now also be top tracking activity tracking. So if you want to go in and track how many pieces you did from a manufacturing perspective or how much time you spent on a certain element, they're going to do that in this time clock as well. So I don't think they're dead, John. I think that they are growing because bring your own device is a really dangerous thing inside of organizations. And I think organizations may start to realize that eventually. Right. Well, that's interesting. So, so, so now you imagine a, um, a, a world with more time clocks and less smartphones. In areas where, yeah, I mean, I, I think eventually the reason the smartphones took off and make it is they were just more accessible. They're easier. There's something that you have available with you all the time. Right. But having worked in retail, having worked in manufacturing and distribution centers, um, you run a lot of risks, both in the fact that people aren't paying attention to what's going on around them, which is a big safety risk. And also in the fact that you have really important company information that could walk outside of that company. Um, and be accessed on those those personal devices. This is one way of basically saying we can still give you all the same flexibility, but it's a system inside our organization. I don't know if that's going to be a growing opportunity, but I think it is definitely a real issue for a lot of these organizations with hourly workforces. So, so places where you a time clock is useful are places where people don't have desks, right? Because if you've got Correct. a desk, then you can do it online. You can fill out your time online yeah. if you're sitting and you've got a machine. So, so, so I don't have a really tip of my fingers notion of how many deskless jobs there are. Um, but is that a lot? You think? I um I I don't have the exact number at my fingertips as well. I will have to say. Um, but of the organizations who usually have those workforces, they're very large workforces, right? Um, it's all your hospital healthcare environments. Think about how fast the healthcare industry is growing right now. Um, it's all of your utilities and all of your uh, commercial management type of organizations like that. Um, it's all of your manufacturing. It's all of your sales environments, right? Any of those environments would be areas where you probably don't have a computer in front of you on a regular basis but might have one someplace you're going to and you want to track information or do things. That Internet of Things is a big part of this conversation as well because these machines can now start to talk to your tools and the things you're using on the, on the floor as well if they do right. Oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. So, so the Kronos time clock is actually a data aggregator for information on the shop floor. Is that is that the story? That would be my sense. That's the direction they're heading. Yeah, I don't think they're quite there yet, but that's definitely the direction they're heading. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a pretty interesting idea. That's actually a pretty interesting idea. Um, well, so so what else have they got besides um, a renewed interest in something that I thought was dead? So so. <laughs> it's always nice to know that you know something you thought was going away is is, is still alive and and kicking, right? 
Um, you know, I think the big, the other big thing is, is just the numbers are growing for them. I mean, it took, when, when we think about how long it took both, you know, Ultimate or Workday or some other organizations to grow their cloud-based environments, right? Um, you know, I think Kronos is definitely showing that they are, they are trying to sort of leapfrog over some of the challenges that we saw in some of the other organizations who went from on-premise to cloud environments or who opened up their own cloud shop off the ground. Um, they're now already at 3,500 customers in just seven years since they acquired Workforce Ready. Um, they're also um, already at about seven to 800 organizations who have purchased the Workforce Dimensions application. Um, they did a full demo of Workforce Dimensions in a session completely on a mobile environment, full demo that included scheduling, time tracking, figuring out where employees were at, understanding um, activities people were assigned to, skill set requirements, all in a mobile environment. So they're really pushing mobile capability for that um, new Workforce Dimensions application. Um, and they're continuing to support Workforce Central for all of this. That might be the one concern I have about Kronos right now is um, they they are, you know, I think all of their customers are very happy to hear this, but they're definitely, Aaron um, Ain, who's their CEO, doubled down on the fact that they are going to continue to put out releases and support Workforce Central um, for the foreseeable future. Did not give any kind of an end of life date on that. Uh, Workforce Central is their on-premise uh, primary workforce management solution, um, which also has some HRMS and, and some other elements to it. Um, and they're not shying away from that. They're definitely going to be um, uh, focusing on uh, keeping that up to date. Uh, and that, that could be a risk. We, we see with Oracle and, and the PeopleSoft, right, the more time you give people to stay on an older product, especially in a product that they've customized and, and uh, made changes to, the harder it is to get them to move to cloud eventually. So. Well, and, and, and so it's inevitable that you become, you know, when I think about Oracle and SAP, um, what I think about is companies who are great at understanding the variations between revisions of products because they don't have cloud configuration control, right? And so, so the homework necessary to do development becomes really painful if you keep that if you keep that old legacy stuff around. It, it becomes it becomes your Achilles heel, um, right? Because because you stop being a company that's going somewhere, and you start being a company that's just a guide to the various relationship between functionality and your products. Yeah. That'll be interesting. I'll it's get a, the I'll get the Kronos next year. That, that that it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. So, so outside of Kronos, we had a lot of other sort of uh, various system announcements that had to do with the stock market space. What do you think, John, about Ceridian launching a secondary public offering and ADP announcing a $5 billion buyback? Are these things buyers should be paying attention to? Is this really just for the stock market and the vendor community to be watching? What, what do things like these mean for people who are out there trying to make sense of the HR technology space? You know, you know, I'm not sure that it matters to users and and customers. I'm not sure that it matters at all. In the in the Ceridian case, there's a there's a huge legacy indebtedness to the private equity company that financed Ceridian, and uh, as a result, 
they have to they have to extract money from the stock market on a periodic basis. I, I would also be tempted to guess that cash is necessary for Ceridian to sustain their growth. So, so this is just you know imagine, imagine it's a um, an old fashioned railroad train and this is the guy shoveling the coal into the fire. And, and and it's really it money is just coal into the fire or it is repayment of debt. Um, the the stock buyback thing at ADP is a is a separate thing. That you you do stock buybacks to firm up um, the price of the stock. Right? So when you buy stock back, there's less stock, and if the company's worth the same but you have less stock, that means the price of a, a share of stock goes up. Yep. Um, and it, and the, the stock buyback deal, um, you, you might remember the famous um, um, income tax reduction of a couple of years ago, where the idea mm-hmm. was that people would invest in their um, um, businesses to make them grow faster. And what happened was was a whole lot of companies doing stock buybacks. Stock buybacks yeah, have a bad. Stock buybacks have a bad name of it because they tend to enrich the people whose bonuses are tied to equity. So the so the top of the organization benefits disproportionately um, with a stock buyback, and they're they're kind of bad PR these days, right? So so I don't I don't understand the motivations at at ADP at all, but but. Generally speaking, stock buybacks are well received by investors, not so well received by employees, not so well received by the marketplace, um, and so so I'm sure there's they're great people at ADP, so I'm sure there's some great reason here, but it's not apparent to me. Yeah, and and I think you know ADP has been through quite a a challenging couple of years with activist investors and. Um, challenges to sort of their CEO, Carlos, but I think they've weathered it. You know, one of the, the comments, you know, I heard from a financial analyst who was covering the ADP space, um, you know, you know, from his perspective, they weathered that probably better than they'd ever seen any other organization weather it, weather it. So, I mean, obviously, as we're sort of covering this space from a functional and a buyer's perspective, it's important to pay attention to these things because they can have an impact on what happens if they don't go well, but as long as they're sort of for strategic reasons, then that generally seems to be where ADP is coming with it. So interesting stuff. Yeah. Yep. So stock market check. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> stock market for the day. We also have some people changes. Now, you know people strong, right? You've had a chance to brief with them. They actually have yes. a pretty nice product in India. Yeah. Um, yep. they're, they're not huge. They, they have about, um, 275 enterprises, uh, a million employees on their product right now, um, uh, and um, they're they they are focused on building out the industry specifically for the India market, which I think is always a, a a powerful thing when you're inside a country and you're in trying to make a statement about you know HR technology and how it can be leveraged inside an, an industry. Um, but they're definitely changing out, um, well not changing out, but adding to their leadership team here. They've added ex-Aon Hewitt CEO Sandeep Chaudhary as president. Um, I thought it was interesting. You know, he had been at Aon Hewitt for 17 years. Um, more, you know, Aon Hewitt has much more experience in the services side of things 
Um, this could be just a, a good opportunity to expand on that. Um, they're, they're talking here about growing the business um, rapidly in India, uh, adding to the customers uh, at a much faster pace with some of these changes. Um, so something to watch in the people's strong space there. Yeah, you, you know, it's interesting. In, in the States, the idea that you would take somebody who was a 17-year veteran of Aon Hewitt um, and make them a CEO, that, that doesn't really work. That doesn't really work. Although although Bill McDermott did take over ServiceNow, I think. Um, yeah. um, in, in India, what matters in the credentials of an executive are very different than they are in the United States. And this is a good showcase for that. Yeah. Uh, it's a really yeah. good showcase for that, um, and it shows that shows that People Strong is deeply committed to expanding their Indian business, which is uh, an extraordinary thing. So, so many of the of the folks that I meet from India are are have their eyes on the American prize, and this is an inside game in India. So, so. It, Good for them. Good for them. Yeah, yeah, and and I think they have their you know their sights on the on the right place because the, the the just the sheer numbers in the India market are huge. Um, you've just got to be able to do it at margins that are different than in the states. And so I think you know it'll be interesting to see how the services come background plays into that. So. Yep. So the other thing that we we probably want to get a few minutes in talking about John is this higher view case. Right, I'm, I'm sure you've had some conversations with people about this. This is um, basically uh, the Electronic Privacy Information Center, known as EPIC, on Wednesday, last Wednesday, filed an official complaint um, calling on the FTC to investigate Hireview's business practices, saying the company's use of unproven artificial intelligence systems that scans people's faces and voices constitute a wide-scale threat to American workers. What do you think about this, John? <laughs> <laughs> well, well. So I read there is. I I want to recommend a series in VentureBeat. So that's VentureBeat.com about ethics in AI. Um, and and it's it's a long read. This is not this is not a Facebook post. This is a serious analysis of the ethics question in AI in general. And one of the I don't know. There might be ten long read articles in this special edition of VentureBeat. One of them says facial recognition regulation is surprisingly bipartisan. Hmm. Right? Now, now think about that. The, the facial rec yeah. regulation of facial <laughs> recognition is something that both sides both sides don't agree on anything. Yeah, I was just <laughs> you know? going to say that's that's something I don't think we've heard in many a year, right? Bipartisan. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, um, but. Um, whether or not whether or not higher view is doing something nefarious um and that's you know that's the industry undercurrent is is that something bad is going on in the high, in the higher view execution um they have managed to get themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time um and they are going to end up being the poster child for facial recognition regulation just because they won the lottery this week, um, and so exactly. <laughs> so so that's the first thing is that this is way bigger than HR. The, the the analysis of people through the use of facial recognition is 
one of the terrifying faces of the next generation of technology. Um, and um, uh, so, so people are all sorts of weirded out by what's possible. And, and you hear the loudest pushback from parents of people who have um, a range of disabilities that make it unlikely that facial recognition will treat them well. You know, so so people on the people on the autistic spectrum, uh, generally neuro, people who are not neurotypical, they they have a hard time. People with lisp, people with facial disfigurations, that sort of stuff, um, um, don't fare well in facial recognition stuff. And then the idea that what you can do is. Um, understand what somebody is feeling, experiencing, or whether or not they're telling the truth by facial tics that are compromised in that way. <sighs> that's that's the kind of stuff that, that engineers do when they need a real ethics board. And then and then how have you made the mistake of building an ethics board that doesn't have external advisors on it? Right. This is this is a cautionary tale for anybody in the um, in the industry is that if you're going to build an ethics function, it has to have people from outside of your circle. Or yeah, you're just or you're just telling each other the same story over and over again. And so part of the problem at higher view is that they're very busy believing their own rhetoric and not looking hard at um, the bigger picture. And so. So the the pressure is going to increase on this, and it will be a hardship for higher view, who I think have done some pretty interesting things over time. I don't think this is a company that is that it, that there's something inherently wrong with, but they they moved from being a video interviewing company to trying to meld assessment plus video interviewing, imagining that video data is just another kind of stream of data that you can correlate with uh, uh, personality data. And mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's kind of a, a, a bridge too far, probably. Yeah. I mean, first movers here, right? I and mean, there's always the challenge is, do you take the risk and be the first mover and get out there and do it? Um, and oftentimes those who put their hand out first get it chopped off, right? This is the, this is the, um, the real challenge we're going to face for almost all of the HR technology environments out there, which is once you start using artificial intelligence, you have to be able to back it up legally and with the details about how those decisions are being made. And in some cases, those decisions are just not easily explained. And even though you have all the best intentions, if you can't explain it, you're going to end up in a situation like this. Yeah, and, and, and this creates an interesting window for modern hire, which is which is the combination of Shaker International and Montage. Montage, um, yeah. The the so Montage does video interviewing, Shaker does assessment, and they are melding those two functions in a way that is not the same as hire view, and 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 so they have a a safer strategy for this stuff where they won't have to get beaten up in public 
uh, Mike, I'm afraid Hyrie is going to have to be. Well, it'll it'll will definitely be an area for us to to keep watching. Um, we probably maybe want to spend a little bit of time also talking about Amazon's doing with their AWS Data Exchange for tracking and shared data sets. Um, this was actually sent to me by Jim Hollenchak, um, based on some of the research I'm doing in the space around how to best share data. Um, we're looking at that um, conversation for Sierra Cedar. And this was, you know, I, I've been looking at a couple of organizations like Data World and, and those who do similar things around data sharing. Um, this one is, is Amazon is, is, it looks like, taking the first steps towards creating a, a sort of globally accessible data warehouse for anybody's data that, will, um, that wants to sort of share it in one way or another. What do you think about this, John? Is this is this something that is is do you think new, or do you think this is just sort of taking some older ideas and and rethinking them, and putting them back out on the market again? Oh, if I was Stacy Chapman from Swoop Talent, I'd be going, "Damn, those guys are smart. They started doing what I was doing ten years ago." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, 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 right. Because, yeah. <laughs> Right, because because this is this is the heart of the swoop talent idea that that it's easy to subscribe to data, um, and you can dump it in the lake, and it sort of takes care of itself in the lake. Um, um, and data exchange um, is is simple language for describing something that's very hard to do. Uh, and and you, you probably could talk about how hard it is to do better than I can because you're trying to solve that problem. We are, we are. I mean, I, I can tell you that, that, you know, earlier this year I started on a process thinking that, you know, it would take us a month or two to map um, just six to seven years of data. Um, we are now on our eighth month of data mapping um, and cleaning, um, and we'll probably take another several months to get there. So this is, you know, the technology for sharing is not really the hard part, right? The, the hard part is making sure the data is even unstructured data and structured data, even though you have tools that will sort of give you a little bit of sort of awareness based off of sort of um, new sort of um, natural language processing and all those things, there's still an immense amount of mapping that has to be done to make that data valuable. Um, if it's not something that everybody's using like a name or an address or, you know, where you went to school, simple things like that that you can figure out, right? Yeah, so so this reminds me of the joke that I probably have told too many times already, which is <laughs> which is in um big data and AI, um the the work is actually eighty percent cleaning data and twenty percent complaining about cleaning data. <laughs> I think we I think we told it just a few weeks ago when I was talking about the same thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like you know I, I get a charge out of telling the same joke over until people laugh. So 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 if you want me to stop telling that joke, send us a note. Send yeah. Send John a comment. Give him a new note. We need a new dad note for or dad joke for John. There you go. On the artificial well, intelligence space, yeah. So we're going to be off a couple of weeks. You are in Australia next week. I am in the air yeah. next week. And the following week is Thanksgiving, and people want um, regular stuffing, not um, uh, HR Tech Weekly stuffing. Um, so we'll be back in <laughs> yep. a couple of weeks. Um, yep, back and, on the 5th. 
And this was another great show. Thanks, Stacy. As usual, I had a great time. I hope you did too. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll see you back here on the 5th of December. Bye-bye now. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Yeah.